Amazing Grace Kona welcomes you to today's lesson from Pastor Izzy Manzo. Our prayer is that today's lesson will spiritually feed and uplift you. Now, here's Pastor Izzy. Turn in your Bibles now to the Gospel of Mark, verse 17. And then it says, and he now takes a walk. He, it says, and he was setting then out for a journey. And as he was, a man ran up to him and knelt before him and began asking him, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now, that's a million-dollar question right there. I mean, if you're going to ask Jesus anything, this is the one that you should probably lead with. Well, listen to Jesus' answer. Jesus says to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good, he said, except for God alone. Now, he says, you know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. And he said to him, Teacher, I have kept all these things from my youth up. Wow. This guy is amazing. I mean, I can't say I kept all those from my youth up. But this guy actually said, I have kept all those commandments. And Jesus, looking at him, felt love for this man. He said to him, one thing you still lack. He said, go and sell all that you possess and give it to the poor, and you shall have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But at these words, it says, the man's face fell, and he went away grieved, for he was one who owned much property. And then Jesus, looking around, said to his disciples, how hard it will be for those who are wealthy to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at Jesus' words. But Jesus, he answered again and said to them, It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And they were even more astonished and said to him, Then who can be saved? Now, I've heard some teachings, and I, I'll just make you aware of them. The, the, there's a teaching that floats around through some of the Christian circles where they say the camel going through the eye of the needle is um, the, the eye of the needle is a little uh, a gate through the, through the thickest part of the city wall. It's a fortified little tunnel for a man to come in, and it's made in such a way that it's, a you know, it's so that if you were locked out of the city, there was a way back in, but it's also has turns and ways that you can't just rush in. You have to, you have to turn to the right, go jog a ways, turn left, jog a ways, turn right. You know, and you have to work your way through this little passage. And it was referred to by the Jews as the eye of the needle. I had a question for you. It, if that was really the true interpretation of the scripture, would the disciples be astonished? Would they think, wow, that's impossible? They go, no, that's just a lot of work. I don't really think it, that teaching is correct. I think what Jesus was talking about is a camel, full-sized, and a needle, you know, the kind you sew with. He says, it is easier to stick this camel through the eye of this needle than to get a rich man into the kingdom of heaven. And they went, well, you can't get a camel through the eye of a needle. Who can? Now, that would be astonishing. I mean... That would be like, can you just picture that? You know, some of you watched a lot of cartoons, you know, like the camel just goes, shrinks down, a little slips through, and he starts building up big on this. He's like halfway through. He's fat on both sides, a little teeny skinny part in the middle. And 
You know, you can picture, but that just doesn't really work. So Jesus, he tells them this, and they become more astonished. They say to him, verse 25, then who can be saved? And Jesus gives one of the best answers, I think, in all the Bible. It says here, looking at them, Jesus said, with men, it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. This, this one is worthy of writing out and putting on your refrigerator in the morning or on your mirror. With men, things, are, things can be impossible, yes. But what we need is to hear the words of the Lord. And his word says that with God, how many things are possible? All things. And listen, I've been serving the Lord for about 35 years now. I got to tell you, that word still counts. I don't care how old you are in the Lord, how many years you've walked with him, to be reminded that with him, not some things are possible, not most or hopefully a couple, maybe few, with the extra few tossed on top. No. All. But see, Jesus is answering a question. A question that, I mean, the million-dollar question, what did I do to get everlasting life? Truly, it's a real, Jesus said, you want to be my follower? What, what was the first thing you had to do? Deny your what? Yourself. Then you had to pick up something. What did you pick up? Your cross. And then he says what? Come follow me. Now what did he say to the rich man? Take all that you have. Go and sell it. Give it to the poor. Okay. That would be for him denying himself. Okay, and then what does he say to him to do? He says, You'll, and when you do that to the, to the man, when he gives it all away and to the poor, Jesus says, you'll store up treasure in heaven. And then he says, you come and follow me. But did the rich man go and do what Jesus said in the story? It says, he went away sorrowful, full, grieved. It says, because he owned much property. He just couldn't let it go. And you know, if there's anything that we're holding on to in this life more than we hold to God, I submit to you, whatever that thing is that you're clinging to, that's an idol, spiritually speaking. The first commandment says, I am the Lord your God. I'm a jealous God. Thou shall have how many other gods before me? Zero, right? You don't get to, you don't get to, you know how some guys, they worship their car. They You think I'm joking. There's these guys, I mean, they like literally... Their car is it, man. It's like, if you ask them, what's more important in your life, your car or God? They don't even, they don't need, who's God? The Bible says, do not exchange the things of creation for the one who created it. Worship the creator, not the creation. And, and the weird part is when you're worshiping a car, you're worshiping something that the creation made. That, that's down another rung. You're not even only worshiping the things what God made. Now you're worshiping stuff that, from a creation what God made, man, whom he made a car, which we have to be careful. Whatever we treasure, whatever we put our affections to, the Bible says, seek first God, his kingdom, and his righteousness. And how many things get added to you? All. Where does our, our faith, really, the rubber meet the road in our faith? How much do we really believe God will supply? when we seek him first. And you know the Psalm 37 says, 
Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. But then it says, commit your way unto the Lord. Trust also in him. And then what some people in America tell me is the, their amended version. They say, commit your way to the Lord. Trust in the Lord and go do it. And I'm like, excuse me, but it says, and he will do it. Not you go do it. It says, and he will do it. You know, how many of you believe that if you really commit your way to the Lord and you trust him, that he will do those things what you need? Does anyone can give an amen that, that he's done that in your life? Amen. See, this is what we got to remember. He is able to do how many things? All things. And with him, all things are possible. And the believers, even the older ones, need a daily dose of reminder that he is able to do these things. Even things what we say is, well, you can't get a camel through an eye of a needle. Well, you can't. But can God do it? Literally, could God make a camel pass through the eye of a needle? Absolutely. To him, all things are possible. It is nothing. He doesn't go, oh, my camel, needle. Can't do it. You stumped me. You finally found my weakness. Does the Lord get freaked out when Jesus picks these things that to men specifically are impossible so that we will not look to men, so that we will look to God? That's what it comes down to. We got to look to the Lord. And guys, if ever, ever there is a time when this, oh, you guys are not in your head. You know the Lord. I need you to help me pass this knowledge to the next generation because for them finding out about stuff and getting knowledge is so readily available to to this generation oh like never the bible says one of the signs of the times was that in the last days you know you guys know what it says in matthew 20 wars rumors of wars pestilence famine but it says knowledge shall what increase men will go to and fro round about the earth if you know, a hundred years ago, if you would have gone up to someone and said, yeah, you know, about 400 people at a time are going to be flying with these metal tubes overhead, and they're just going to pop from Hawaii over to Tempe, Arizona in six hours' time, they would have looked at you and thought, you're smoking something. Not good. Are you taking some weird thing? They would think that you were, wouldn't when, when they really, if a hundred, go back a hundred years. To, to think that you would put four or five hundred people in a, in a in a metal tube with wings that don't flap it would it would be it would be like oh that's mind-boggling you talk about men going to and fro round about the earth we are we're not just hopping from the islands to the mainland we're hopping up into the stratosphere and back down and going to the moon and all of these things Jesus said when you see these things begin, to come to pass. What are you supposed to do? Look up. Your redemption draws an eye. We got to tell this next generation, be looking up for the coming of the Lord. Only had a few days left. How would you live? Seriously, how, how would you live? if you Would you be worried about if you hurt the person's feelings as you witness to them? You know, that person that you kind of been a little bit feeling, ah, it's a little awkward. I don't know. Listen, if you think you're going to die, and you're going to die soon, you get over the awkwardness. I can tell you this firsthand. When I was 18, they said, you have this weird cancer in your blood, you're going to die. I give you nine months to about a year. 
It's great. I just made the gymnastics team. I worked really hard. That sucks. And I'm I went to tell my coach Don Robinson that I you know that the they had cut some part of my shoulder out. I couldn't lift my arm. I figured my gymnastics career is over. And he looks at me and says, "You're part of this team for life. You made the team. You're you know once you're on this team, you're you got to keep working out." And he wouldn't let me stop. And I'm very grateful for that, by the way. Let me tell you, that's that's another proverb. Proverbs what says. When you say the right word at the right time and that person really needs that word, that's like an apple of gold. You just gave them in a setting of silver. That was I needed to hear that precious word right then. But but I went and told my youth group, um, well, the doctors say I got about nine months to a year and I'll do my best to teach you until I don't have strength. There was one kid, his, his uncle was a real jerk, drug dealer, real boisterous, real, you know. I said, just um, bring him around me. Oh, he doesn't want to hear about Jesus from anyone. I don't care. I'm going to die soon anyway. What's he going to do to me? I know it sounds funny, but your, your boldness factor goes up when you know your days of number go down. You really do get over yourself. You, you kind of go, well, it doesn't really matter. If you don't like me, so what? I'm only going to be around for a little while anyway. It, it has like a really cool effect. I know that now, if you've never faced this, you probably think I'm I'm cuckoo, but just wait till something comes up in your life and you find out. Because when you know, I'm not going to be here that long. Priorities change. Things that were so important, getting that material goal, you know, like like as a young man, getting the new car or getting the new latest gizmo, or you're like, who cares? I'm not taking it with me. I can't take any of this stuff with me. Jesus said, don't even store up for yourself treasures on earth. He told the rich man, sell it all and give it away. Come follow me. When you give away to the poor, what did Jesus says happens for you in heaven? You put treasure upstairs. You, you know, when, when we're giving the food out, some of you don't even know, but before you got here, we were giving out food today. And by God's grace that we came with the most food. I mean, Alfred's truck was packed. The most crates of food we've ever had this morning. And the little table over there, you see the couple of milk crates left? That's what's left after about 20 of them were out this morning with all sorts of goodies and people donating clothing, food, just galore. Sodas, drinks, health drinks. I was like, Lord, this is really cool. So I tell the homeless, I, we give this to you. Jesus said, even if you give a cup of water in my name to somebody, it's like you did it to him. Now, Jesus said, if you do that unto me, I will give you treasure in heaven. So I tell the guys, guys, I'm, <clears throat> I'm trying to work on my pile of treasure. Please take everything. I give it to you. And, you know, and <laughs> some of the guys look at me really funny. Like they're, they're, they're trying to, you know, chip, I call it chip monking. Get, you know, stuff as much in their bag as they can. And I'm like, could you do me a favor? And they're like, what? Take a little extra. They just look at me, huh? They thought I was going to say, put some back. Like, take a little extra, and if you if you run into someone who didn't make it this morning, tell them, Pastor Izzy says God loves you and, and just wants you to have a blessed day, and just give it to him because Jesus said, freely we receive, freely give. I give it to you freely, and if you would do me a favor, help pass the blessing to whoever. Maybe you see someone I don't get to see, and you can help me share that. And they just don't know what to do. Like, really? But yeah, take a little extra. Here, I grab some sticking in their bag. I'm trying to get spiritual treasure in heaven. Don't worry, man. 
Now, they think if they don't believe in God, they think you're cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. You have lost it when you say, I give this to you in the name of God. They look at you. You're crazy. <laughs> We're ripping you off. Said, no, you ain't ripping me off at all. When we get to heaven, you're going to find out. You'd be like, where's that pastor Izzy guy? I thought he'd be here. You're looking all around. Now, I've shared this before. I do this at men's prayer. I tell the guys, you got to not look down and around or straight out. You need to look up. Look for the highest mountain of jewels. Way up. And see the little stick man at the top going, wee-hee, wee-hee, look at my pile. That'll be me. Now, I only do this to because the Bible says to stimulate one another. Provoke is the actual old King James word. Provoke one another to love and good deeds. Because some guys are spiritually lazy. They're like, hey, man, I believe in Jesus. As long as I get in, that's good enough. I got news for you. Jesus said, wherever you put your treasure, that's where your, your heart will be. And he gave the instruction. So if he said, store up for yourself treasure in heaven, do you think we should follow Jesus' words? Yes. We need to stack up our treasures there because that's where our heart will be then. And then we won't be so, how do I put it, tight gripped to the things of the world down here. Our affection will be heavenward. And, and believe me, you'll be much more earthly good if your heart is heavenly oriented than if it's oriented to the stuff of this world. Jesus uses something similar to that kind of thinking. That the, the wealthy, they think they're first. But in his kingdom, he says, those who are first will be last. And those who are last, now this should be comfort to some of you that are on the more tight pocketbook plan. Don't worry. In God's kingdom, it is not based on how much money you have. No. He's not doing that. He says, just come follow me. And the last will be first. What a beautiful promise from the Lord. How many think God will really do that? He's going to turn some things around. Now, some people say to me, Pastor, you have all these great testimonies of how the Lord has supplied these miracles. You should write them down. You should. Greg told me I should make a website, testimony.com. You know, share the things with the Lord. But I learned from Pastor John Higgins years ago. At men's prayer, lots of guys would want to say, you know, we'd say, we always started our prayer meetings with men, what do you have to give thanks to the Lord for? Any praise reports? And, and you should see how quick men shut up. When we, you get a room full of them, and you go, anyone got a praise report? And they go, tight lip. But here's the interesting thing about praising the Lord. When one guy says, well, I have a praise report. And I just want to thank the Lord. I was driving, and this car came flying through the intersection, ran the light, and it was the hand of the Lord. My car, like, it was like it was held back. It wouldn't accelerate. It wouldn't go. And that car just missed Kareem and me. And I know it wasn't me. I had my foot planted on the gas to go, and it wouldn't go. And it was like the Lord just dogged it out right then just to. Another guy goes, oh, yeah, that reminds me. The Lord, I was at work, and you should, this crane, and this thing swung by, and it just, and the Lord protected me. You know, once one guy starts sharing praises how the Lord protected him, the other guy remembers, oh, yeah, that reminds me. Oh, you think that that's good? You should have seen the motorcycle. And, and then the. And they start going, and pretty soon you can't shut them up. Because there's a cool thing about praise to the Lord. It's, it's contagious. 
it's good for our soul to hear praises of how the Lord has, has done things. But John used to tell me, everybody wants a great praise report. But really, truthfully, nobody wants to be in the really bad, bad place where they need a miracle now. Like, dear God, I'm going to lose it all. If you don't, we, we don't really want to be in a place where we're going to have to lose it all. We just want to say, well, my funds were a little tight. I had only a few dollars left in the account. And then he blessed me with some money. We don't want to be the negative. Everything is going to be gone. And we're facing the, the, the bill collectors and they're kicking you out of the house and everything. And then in that last moment when the bank is like, you're booted. We got the guys at the door waiting to usher you out. That's when the Lord comes through with some miracle. And he's right. We want to praise the Lord for the great things, but we don't want to have to be in a situation where we need him for great things. And it's a, it's a, it's a very weird catch-22. It keeps us from, you know, I'm going to tell you the truth. The reason I have lots of praise reports is because God usually puts me in those really uncomfortable ways where I have to have a miracle. But I, I kind of, you know, John Higgins rubbed off on me a bit. He used to be in a really bad way, and he would get excited. He'd be like, all right, let's see what the Lord's going to do. Because he knew with men it was what? Impossible. But he also knew the next part of that verse. He knew the words of our Lord Jesus. Jesus is the one who said that. With men it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And he would get excited. We're going to lose the house. They're going to take the church building. We don't have money for the electric. Everything's in, in, in arrears. We're in a bad way. Praise the Lord. And I'd be like, you're crazy. You know, in my young Christian days, I was sure he was cuckoo. And then God would do miracles. And we'd be like, I was just sharing with you about the, the land that your dad had there. Ken Smith, the land. $78,000. This is back in the late 60s. He needed $78,000 to pay off the, the balloon payment for the land. What they started this Shiloh houses. It was house of miracles, these things. And to pay the balloon payment, that was coming due. He didn't have it. It's like, God, there, you know, 10 years of effort have gone into this hippie commune ministry. Hundred, over 100,000 souls introduced to Jesus through that hippie commune ministry. I mean, they literally wrote it up in the, one of the books in Congress as organized miracles that can't be explained. And I just think, wow, the, the, this is a worldly historian writing about things that happened in America put down that this hippie commune ministry touched over 100,000 souls. And, and John said, we were broke, man. We didn't have it. And some lady calls and says, um, you might not remember me. It's like 10 years ago, you led me to Jesus, and I was with my boyfriend. And well, we, we, we gave our lives to the Lord. We went and got married, and our lives has really gone on a good track. And we were wondering if we could buy you coffee. Could you come to town? And John's like, Lord, we need 78,000 for tomorrow. And he's just go get coffee. And he went to get the coffee and he said, they bought him coffee and he was like, that was nice, Lord. And she, she well, we, we wanted to just give you a little love gift because just show you how much we appreciate what you've done. So they put a little check on the table and he, he glanced at it and said, $78. He's like, oh, isn't that nice? I came all the way to town. Cost more than gas. But no, no, it didn't cost more than gas. He just, he was like, okay, great, Lord. That's great. But Lord, and all the way home, he said he was crying to the Lord. Lord, tomorrow, they're going to take it all away. The Lord goes, look in your pocket. He's like, 
Yeah, it wasn't that cute, Lord. They gave us a little check-in. Now, what I forgot to mention was the girl, she was an heir of Bank of America. And she had a stipulation of one of those things like she can't get a trust. Had conditions. And she had to be not on drugs, not living on the streets, not doing anything. She had to be stable for so many years before she could receive her trust money. And she said that she, thanks to the Lord, you know, had walked through all those hoops that they had set up for her to get her trust money. And so she just wanted to give a little love gift to help John on the way home. So he gets there. He's crying to the Lord in his office. He's back home. And he won't look. The Lord's like, look in your pocket. Oh, yeah, Lord, that's so nice. He tapped his pocket, but he didn't look. Look in your pocket. And he, he looked in his pocket, and he's like, oh. It's not $78, $78,000. I think it was 78 and some change because he said we had enough to get steak that night for the whole group. You know, it was like he was just like, oh, Lord, you're so good. But see, he taught me that place of being in that really tight place. Spiritually, is that a good place where you have to rely on the Lord? Yes, it is a good place. Amazing Grace Kona thanks you for listening to today's lesson. If your travels take you to Kailua Kona on the Big Island of Hawaii, come visit us. We meet Sunday mornings, 9 a.m., on the beach at the north end of the old Kona Airport. For more information about Amazing Grace Kona, go to our website, amazinggracekona.com. Amazing Grace Kona is the original Calvary Chapel Kona.